Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. The poet Michael Harper wrote, Those four black girls blown up in that Alabama church remind me of 500 Middle Passage blacks in a net underwater in Charleston Harbor, so redcoats wouldn't find them. Can you find what you can't see? Can you? Can't find what you can't see, can you? Tonight we remember George Floyd in our continuous practice the first day of our practice period, first full day, where George's life and memory has exploded what has always been true. The importance of Black Lives Matter, how Black bodies and Black people have not been valued And as one person said, they're burning things up because that's what white people value. How do we learn to value life? How do we learn to value what we really value? What could be more important as our practice period begins to to be reminded about, wow, what really matters? Who matters? So easy to objectify, turn people into property, into inconvenience, into less than or more than How do we practice together so that both black lives really do matter? In today's selection for continuous practice, Dogen writes, on the great road of Buddha ancestors, there's always unsurpassable practice continuous and sustained. It forms the circle of the way and is never cut off. Between aspiration, practice, enlightenment, and nirvana, there is not a moment's gap. Continuous practice is the circle of the way. 
This being so, continuous practice is unstained, not forced by you or others. The power of this continuous practice confirms you as well as others. It means your practice affects the entire earth and the entire sky in the 10 directions. Although not noticed by others or by yourself, it is so. Everything is part of the circle of the way. In the memorial service we held for George, I just felt moved to change the dedication to that the Buddha turns the Dharma wheel in all its excruciating forms also. Feels like that's also being shown to us in this time. What's excruciating is also part of the circle of the way. How do we invite everything into our practice? to not turn away from anything at all. Someone wrote me a beautiful uh, email yesterday about that they live near a park where there's lots of, in the morning, it was very beautiful spring morning and they went and walked their dog in the park. seeing the flowers and the trees. And then some hours later, there was a peaceful protest. And then some hours later, there was fires and people being harmed. And then later in the evening, it was quiet and peaceful again. All of it is true. All of it is the Tathagata's true meaning. All of it is the circle of the way of our continuous practice. It is not about our convenience, about what we want to feel, but how do we meet each moment, moment by moment? I think of the statue behind me from Japan that this Jizo-sama, who is the bodhisattva of vow, and he or she or they can see goodness in all beings. And they stand there beside each of us, shoulder to shoulder, willing to be in their vow to realize this true meaning, to manifest this circle of the way. And as our, my Dharma sister, Sebene Selassie wrote, the other day, she said that, you know, you can't meditate your way out of this. But how do we invite it in so that it's part of our practice so that 
meditating, walking, speaking, thinking. It's all part of this circle of the way. Not excluding anything. I've been experiencing throughout the day waves of grief, sorrow, moments of overwhelm, moments of great joy. How do we invite it all and just meet it there and there and there? How do we meet our lives in the midst of our lives? Floyd, uh, he grew up and George grew up in Houston's third ward, one of the very poorest areas of Houston. It's the area that often gets flooded as Houston often gets flooded as it's just below sea level. So anytime it rains, it, it could be a disaster. He was six foot six, a big guy. And he was a tight end for his high school, the Jack Yates High School, played football, loved football. And he even went to the 1992 state championship, but they lost. I wonder what that was like for him, getting all the way to the state championship and losing. He was, his nickname as he was growing up in high school was the Gentle Giant. One of his dear friends called him, he had said a really quiet personality and a beautiful spirit. Two thousand seven, he was charged with armed robbery and was sentenced to five years in prison. And then, when he got out of prison, he moved to Minneapolis to search for a new life to begin again. And a few of his friends talked him into moving there because they thought his life would be much better there. And he was looking for a fresh start, a new beginning. And he was apparently, many of his friends said he was so happy to make this change to begin again. He got a job initially at a security for a Salvation Army store in downtown Minneapolis. And they started working two jobs. And uh, he was a bouncer at the Conga Latin Bistro, where he was known there as Big Floyd. 
always cheerful. Some of the, the bistro owners said with a wonderful attitude and he loved to really dance really badly to make everyone laugh. Imagine this big guy just dancing to bring joy to others. And when he was really the, the became the boss at the place and he said, but don't call me boss, man. I'm just everyone's friend. It was that kind of person by many, many reports of friends and people that he worked for and with. And it was during COVID that he lost his job, of course. And no more bouncing. But it was at that place where he was a bouncer, where he worked alongside Derek Chauvin, who on his nights off from being a cop, worked alongside him. And a week ago, Derek Chauvin killed him. how you could be working alongside someone in one moment and kill them in the next. Derek was someone who inflicted violence on many people. Where did he learn to inflict and cause so much harm? Who was he really? Why did he, what brought him to wear Make America White Again hats and go to rallies? Who is that? How do we hold the realities of violence against black people for centuries as part of the circle of the way, part of our practice, part of our responsibility in doing no harm. How do we really take the responsibility of realities that many of my black friends live in fear? about going to grocery stores, and as we know, going into parks. One friend was teaching his teenage son the other day how to stay alive if someone was kneeling on their neck, telling his son just to learn how to relax and almost play dead so that they'll let up. That this is also in our world where fathers are now teaching their sons how to stay alive 
when someone is committing violence against them. Here in America. The land of the free. For some. But to me, what is so inspiring about the practice is that it means that we have to, how do we make the land of the free for everyone? This is a liberation practice, which is of course easy to say, but if it doesn't include everyone, is it a liberation practice? So in the reflection for today, I asked on this first day of our practice period, how do you welcome every aspect of your life and the world into your practice, not turning away from anything? And what do you leave out? Challenging feelings, challenging people. People you're sure are right or people you're sure you're wrong. Welcoming everything and allowing the great road to open is the place of practice. I'm sure of that. Easy to say as my teacher says. So when I sent out a note today and she said that we all belong to absolutely everyone and everything. That's it. That's both the news is nothing is separate. George Floyd, the police officer, Derek, who murdered him the protesters, those who criticize them, our devastated ecosystems, the people that would be all of us who contribute to this planetary crisis. You, me, us, them, we belong to it all. And to me, that is the the powerful news that many of us are feeling overwhelmed and many of us don't know what it's like to live in a body that feels dangerous to be outside. How do we include everyone? and realize the great body, which includes everybody. How do you do that? How do you learn? about other people's experience and wonder about them. 
How do you get to know what other people's lives are like and have a deep curiosity? If we belong to it all and it's all part of the circle of the way, part of our continuous practice, no gap, how do we include racial justice into that? How could we not? Like Jesus Bodhisattva who stands there almost on my shoulder. Maybe they stand on all of our shoulders. This other possibility of living by vow, offering fearlessness and meeting what is scary or what is unknown, which is pretty much everything. So that we can enter and realize what real true compassion is which is not to exclude anything, which for me is very much what Dogen was, is teaching us. All part of the circle of the way, no gap. I want to close with a poem by the great Maya Angelou that probably most of you know this poem. But for me, it speaks to this time and had the medicine of the circle of the way. How do you take the medicine? I know why the cage bird sings. A free bird leaps on the back of the wind and floats downstream till the current ends and dips his wing in the orange sun rays and dares to claim the sky. But a bird that stalks down his narrow cage can seldom see through his bars of rage. His wings are clipped, his feet are tied. So he opens his throat to sing. The cage bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still and his tune is heard in the distant hill for the cage bird sings of freedom. The free bird thinks of another breeze and the trade winds soft through the sighing trees and the fat worms waiting on a dawn bright lawn and he names the sky his own. But a cage bird stands on the grave of dreams. His shadow shouts on a nightmare scream. 
His wings are clipped and his feet are tied. So he opens his throat to sing. The cage bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown. But longed for still. The cage bird is singing. It's a shofar. The cage bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown, but longed for still, and his tune is heard on the distant hill. For the cage bird sings of freedom. Thank you so much.